A note for our listeners. This episode may include a few details that could be disturbing for some listeners. Hi there, this is Renee Robertson, host of Missing in the Carolinas. I wanted you to know that I'm hard at work at putting together a two-part episode about a missing couple from Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Until that's ready, I wanted to share with you an experience I had last year attending MurderCon, a writing conference all about murder. This conference was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before, and it will take place again this year in Raleigh, North Carolina. Stay tuned to the end of this episode for registration details. Now let's get started. In the darkened classroom, my instructor began his slideshow, presenting us with an actual crime scene photo of a decomposing body hanging from a tree in the middle of the woods. Because a few weeks had passed, we couldn't tell the ethnicity of the deceased or notice much of anything besides a thick layer of maggots crawling across what was left of the body. A different crowd may have let out a collective gasp or had members abruptly leave the classroom to get air. But not the audience at MurderCon. Instead, we flipped open our notepads, turned on our tablets, and began asking questions. I've always been a fan of true crime. I was still in high school when I started reading books in the genre, and I always had paperbacks lying around the house that detailed why this husband hired a hitman to kill his wife, or how many victims that black widow had. This is something that has continued into adulthood, and I guess it has something to do with the fact that I've always had an inquisitive mind. I'm curious about human nature and what drives people to do the things they do. Maybe I'm too inquisitive sometimes. Stories about unsolved murders and missing people were always the ones that caught my eye in newspapers and magazines. I'm addicted to the Investigation Discovery Channel and shows like Forensic Files. Stories about real people have often inspired my own short stories. I've written a story about a missing girl who turned up in a Polaroid found in a grocery store parking lot, a female cult leader in Australia, and a murder at a Girl Scout camp. Several years ago, I started following an author named Lee Laughlin on Facebook. His work interested me because he was a former law enforcement officer who wrote a book called Police Procedure and Investigation, a guide for writers. Every year, I would watch as he promoted a very unique writers conference he put together called the Writers Police Academy. It was while presenting to attendees at a writers conference that he noticed they weren't very stimulated by the environment of a hotel conference room. He had put in years of presenting at such conferences, but began to envision a more interactive experience to arm the writers with the knowledge they needed to write about crime and police procedure and investigation authentically. They needed the experiences that activate the senses and emotions in order to transfer those feelings and sensations to the page, he told me when I interviewed him last fall. They needed to attend a police academy, an actual police academy, where they could participate in an authentic police training, a hands-on event especially for writers. A writer's police academy. They needed it, and their fans deserve it. Slowly, he began to piece together this unique conference for writers. The first one was held in 2008 and allowed the writers the chance to visit a county morgue police department 
to see and use police equipment, experience a police pursuit, and much more. Based on the feedback he received from the initial conference, Laughlin kept going. Every year I would see the registration open for the WPA, and even when it was held in a nearby town, I would think to myself, I'm going to do that one year. I'll save the money, and I'll go do it. But I never did. In the meantime, I attended a few other conferences. I went to one all about writing nonfiction, when I was trying to learn everything I could about breaking into new print and online publications. For two different years, I attended the local conference for the Society of Children's Books Writers and Illustrators because I had a young adult novel I wanted feedback on. Writing conferences all have one thing in common. They are mentally taxing and for introverts, mentally exhausting. There is always so much to take in. The workshops are intensive and they are great networking opportunities, but they aren't something I put on my wish list every year. Last summer, I toyed with the idea of attending CrimeCon, which was scheduled to take place in New Orleans. What a perfect location for a crime conference, right? I weighed my options. CrimeCon would allow me to attend events with panelists that featured talent from some of my favorite true crime shows and podcasts, along with hundreds of other people. But it would also cost me airfare, lodging, and a more expensive registration fee. Would it really be a learning opportunity? We'll return to the details of the MurderCon event after a word from our sponsor. By day, I work as a journalist and magazine editor, but I also enjoy creative writing and entering writing contests. If you like writing flash fiction, you should check out the contests over at WOW Women on Writing. The deadline for the latest flash fiction contest is May 31st. This specific contest will have 20 winners and more than $1,350 in cash prizes. First place wins $400. WOW allows a maximum of 300 stories. The contest is only about half full as of the date of this podcast release, so you have excellent chances of comp competing among the other writers. You can also purchase a critique to get more feedback on your writing. Learn more at wow-womenonwriting.com and click on the contest tab. And now, let's get back to MurderCon. I considered the Writers Police Academy event. A lot of things held me back from actually registering for it. I had a bit of imposter syndrome. I thought, I'm not a published crime writer. What business do I really have going to this type of conference besides morbid curiosity? But as I started writing suspense short stories and won an award for one in 2017, I started to think differently about crime conferences. Then Laughlin dropped an announcement about the 2019 WPA. They were switching up the format a bit, creating a writing conference focused solely on the crime of murder, and it was going to be held in Raleigh, North Carolina, only about three hours away from me. Sold. I booked my hotel room in advance and put the online registration date on my calendar. I was actually nervous registration was going to fill up before I had a chance to register. I was so excited to reserve my spot and sign up for the workshops I was most interested in. As the conference approached, I found myself full of nerves. I'm a pretty shy person by nature, and I was planning on attending this conference alone. I know women often travel in packs to these things, 
so I knew I would have awkward moments trying to find people to sit with during the meals and networking events. But I tried to brush those fears aside. The conference started on a Thursday, and once I picked up my name badge and itinerary, I had a little break for dinner before our kickoff event, which was a panel discussion that featured staff from the North Carolina Office of the Medical Examiner. They told us a little about their work for the office and then took questions from the audience. It was really neat to get an inside look on exactly what a coroner does at the scene of a crime, behind the scenes of pathology, and the different types of DNA testing that the scientists perform. As you can imagine, they stressed that you cannot get testing results turned around in 24 hours the way it is often portrayed on procedural television crime shows. I really couldn't believe I was sitting in the audience. It felt like a dream. And to be honest, I still felt like a bit of an imposter. Sure, I'm a journalist and I've written some suspense thriller short stories, but these were honest-to-goodness crime writers sitting all around me. I rode in the elevator that night with Charlene Harris, the author of the True Blood series of books. I tried to shake off my insecurities and focus on the information we were learning. Picking up my conference schedule at the registration desk let me know I was in store for an eye-opening experience with classes that had titles like Buried Bodies, Murder Mayhem, Truth or Lies, The Art of Interrogation, Shoes, Glorious Shoes, Footwear Evidence, and much more. It didn't take long to realize other attendees had actually traveled across the country and even from other countries to attend this immersive writing conference. The next day, we continued our education into the world of murder investigations. Half our class sessions would take place on the campus of Searchy, about 40 minutes away from the hotel. I found myself boarding a charter bus at 7 a.m. to head to nearby Youngsville. For the purpose of this podcast, I wanted to give you a little background information on Searchy, because I honestly had no idea a place like this existed just a few hours from my home. First of all, the company has been in business almost 92 years. Yes, you heard that right. They got their start by manufacturing basic tools for crime scene investigations. Things like fingerprinting inks, rollers, cards, fingerprint powder, brushes. The toolkits for crime scene investigations back then were very small and limited to only a few items. As forensic technology and tools have advanced, so has the company's product lines. Law enforcement agencies found themselves purchasing things like fingerprinting kits from Searchy, but didn't know how to properly use them. Recognizing this gap, Searchy began their education and training division in the 1980s to help law enforcement professionals. The program has continually grown and expanded over the years. According to a manual found on Searchy's website, the crime scene technology class expanded to include many new technologies and techniques, such as alternate light sources and DNA collection. Classes on latent fingerprint examination were added, as well as classes in crime scene photography, blood pattern recognition, firearms and tool marks, and footwear evidence. In recent years, classes have even expanded off-campus through partnership with host departments. Now, Searchy offers an average of 18 off-campus classes each year. The instructors at Searchy are amazing, and I was impressed hearing their backgrounds. 
The instructor for the blood evidence class I took was David Alford, a retired FBI special agent with 21 years of experience investigating violent crimes, terrorism, and other cases. He worked on the polyclass kidnapping and murder case in California. Another David, David Pauly, taught the murder mayhem class, which is the class I referenced at the beginning of this episode. He is retired from the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command as a Special Agent in Charge Commander and Forensic Science Officer. Not only that, we had best-selling authors sitting alongside us in the classrooms, studiously taking notes and asking questions. It was a stimulating and exciting environment to be in. As an added bonus to the conference, Graham Hetrick, a Pennsylvania coroner who also stars in the Investigation Discovery Channel show The Coroner, I Speak for the Dead, presented a special keynote speech on the Friday of the conference, as did author Heather Graham at the Saturday banquet. Besides the initial event in Hamilton, Ohio, the Writers' Police Academy has taken place in Greensboro, North Carolina, Appleton, Wisconsin, and Green Bay, Wisconsin. In 2019, Laughlin decided to change the format a bit to focus strictly on the crime of murder, and this will continue this year for 2020. As part of our classwork, we had the chance to test blood items for evidence. FYI, this was sheep's blood, not human blood. Stand in a mock grave and ask how long it would take a perpetrator to dig such a grave and see crime scene photos from real cases the instructors had worked on. One of my favorite sessions was the Buried Bodies class presented by forensic anthropologist Dr. Meredith Tice because she had worked on a case I had followed extensively, the Arthur G. Dozier School for Boys in Florida, where an unknown number of boys died under suspicious circumstances and were buried on the grounds of the school, some in unmarked graves that were later excavated. In that class, Dr. Tice walked us through various techniques for search and recovery of remains from clandestine graves. As a first-time attendee of a WPA conference, I found the experience to be invaluable. What impressed me most was the caliber of the instructors. As I mentioned before, almost every single instructor was a retired FBI, ATF, or other law enforcement agent, and most of them had been involved in high-profile cases I was familiar with. They also provided their contact information in case any of us had follow-up questions as we returned to our various novels, podcasts, scripts, etc. Laughlin described the past year's WPA as Disneyland for writers, and he wasn't too far off the mark. There were sessions I didn't have time to attend and people I wanted to network with but didn't have the chance. At the end of the four days, I was exhausted, mentally tired, but invigorated, and full of story ideas. I mean, look, I can definitely say MurderCon helped launch the podcast you're listening to today. Here are a few things I learned from attending MurderCon. First, don't be afraid to try something new. I was afraid to go to this writing conference alone. I had to step outside of my comfort zone. There were social events that took place throughout this conference, but there were always people around willing to chat. The cash bar also helped with that. One day, while we were at Searchy, I asked a table of attendees if I could sit with them during lunch. They were gracious and welcoming, and it wasn't until the end of the meal that I realized best-selling author Tammy Hogue was sitting a few chairs to my right. 
No wonder she had such interesting stories. The main thing, the classes and presentations at the conference alone provided so much opportunity for interesting conversations. It was a common ground we could all relate to. Second, I learned there wasn't enough time to learn everything. Like Lee Lofton pointed out, I had to pick and choose my classes. There was a class on the different ways sexual assault investigations are performed from state to state that I didn't have time for. There was also a class on the various types of assault weapons that I opted out of. Depending on what types of stories you are writing and researching, you have to choose the coursework that is best suited for your needs. Also, I realized crime scene photos don't shock me. I don't think I could ever work a job like a medical examiner or a coroner, but photos I can handle. I guess I kind of knew this going in. But I still wasn't prepared for all the bloody crime scenes, decomposing bodies, arson victims, maggots, and mass graves. What did surprise me was the amount of students taking photos of these images, but it was allowed for the most part. I guess some writers like to have copies of the images as part of their research. There were a few images here and there that had identifying information in them, so we were asked not to photograph those. This brings us to the conclusion of this episode. MurderCon is not sponsoring this episode, but I thought listeners of this podcast might find the conference information valuable. This year's event will take place again in Raleigh, North Carolina, August 6th through 9th. You can learn more about the event, as well as registration details, at writerspoliceacademy.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Missing in the Carolinas. If you enjoyed it, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'll also be dropping bonus episodes a few times a month, so hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. If you want to visit my website and read more about true crime cases from all over the country, including the ones featured here, visit missinginthecarolinas.com. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, WOW Women on Writing, and the great programs and writing contests they have to support writers at wow-womenonwriting.com. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. All episodes are researched and written by me, Renee Robertson, with sound editing provided by Mia Robertson. Please make plans to join me next week when I'll be sharing a case that has fascinated me for years, Liz and John Calvert's disappearance from Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Thank you.